to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to preach a message today called The Third Option. What to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. Some of you are facing that right now. You don't know what to do. And so we're going to help you today. If you turn to the book of Daniel, if you don't know where Daniel is, just turn to the book of Psalm, head right, and just past Ezekiel, you'll find Daniel. And we're going to start with Daniel chapter 3, a very familiar portion of Scripture, especially if you were raised in church in any way, uh, Sunday school, or you just uh, have heard this story before. It's a very popular story. We're going to revisit it today and really find out what God has to say to us about the third option. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 1 says, There was a king, not a Christian man at all. He was an ungodly king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And the Bible says that he made for himself, he made an image of gold. Now here's what the Bible says. It was 90 feet high. That's impressive. But it was also 90 feet wide. Think about that. 90 feet high and 90 feet wide. The Bible says that he instructed those that were in his kingdom under his rule, including the Israelites who were were held captive, that the moment music was played, they were to bow down and worship. See, there's always a connection between music and worship. It's forever linked. You see it in the Word of God over and over. That's why you have to be so careful the music that you listen to because there will always forever be a connection to music and worship. That's why every parent needs to know what my child is listening to. There is a connection between music and worship. And so this king set it up at the moment music was played Everyone was to bow down and worship. And if you look at Daniel chapter 3 and you go on to see verse 14, let's read in verse 14, it says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn and the flute and the harp, the lyre and the psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. Listen to what he says, though. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Word had got back to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, that there were, there were children of Israel. There were three in particular. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, these three men, that when they heard the music, they refused to bow down. When word got back to the king, he delivered to them what you could call an ultimatum. Here's the ultimatum. You have two choices. You're going to bow down and worship me, or you're going to burn in a fiery furnace. That's it. This is what the enemy does to us constantly throughout our lifetime. He is always trying to get us in a position where our choices are very limited. Listen to me. Some of you are facing this right now. You're facing a series of choices. It might be two or or whatever it is, but but it's very limited in its scope. It's it's choice between between A, which you don't like, and and, and B, you don't like that either. And so imagine being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and you know that this man is threatening you, and, and he's given you this ultimatum. Hey, 
either bow down, compromise your morals, abandon your faith, walk away from your God, worship me instead of him, or option B, you're going to burn in a fiery furnace. And you look at that, and you look at it, and then you look at it on paper, you kind of look at it and you go, you know, I don't like that one. I'm not going to compromise my morals. I'm not going to walk away from my faith. I'm not going to worship any other God. Well, I don't like this one either. I don't want to burn in a fiery furnace. You know, I was thinking of, of maybe how I was going to die, but burning up was not one of the options I was thinking of. I, I kind of kind of was looking forward to next week and next month and next year and, and vacation. I had some plans with my life, and, you know, being thrown into a fiery furnace doesn't fit in my plans, and I, I kind of want to do something else. And so you're looking at these options, and you're going, well, I don't really like them. And here's what the enemy does. He tries to limit your options. He says to you, you know what? You're going to be stuck in a bad marriage or you're going to have to get divorced and and walk away from the will of God. Or you know what? You're going to have to take medication the rest of your life. You're just going to be on pills the rest of your life, uh, a medication the rest of your life. Either that or you're going to die premature. Oh, you know what? That addiction, that thing that's got you in chains, you're never going to break free. You're just going to have to manage the addiction or you're going to have to abandon your faith. Those are your two options. And he's always trying to present you with these two options. And it's exactly what the king did to these three three guys. And and he just said, hey, your options are limited. You're going to bow or you're going to burn. You're going to suffer. And it's like the enemy just tries to play these head games with you. And you're looking at your life and you're going, what do I do when I don't know what to do? And every option that's presented to me, I don't like that either. I mean, what do I do? Here's why the devil wants to limit your options. Number one, because when our options are limited, discouragement sets in. We just get discouraged. We look at everything and we go, you know, I don't like this. I don't like, I don't like what's going on in my family and I don't seem to be able to change it. I don't like what my future looks like. I, I don't like the picture of my retirement. It, it's going to look like I'm going to have to live on, on, very meager, very, very less than what I think. And, and you're just looking at all your options and you just go, you know what, I don't like it. And what he wants to do is suck the joy out of your life. He wants to take away your joy. And the reason is, is because discouragement brings weakness. Because when we have no joy, we become weak. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. And so no joy, no strength. No strength, no fight. No fight, no victory. Did you hear me now? I said no joy, no strength. No strength, no fight. No fight, no victory. That's why you have to hold on to your joy. So you can't get discouraged. You can't get depressed. You can't just look at circumstances and you go, well, I just don't know what to do. I'm just going to throw my hands up in the air. I guess I'm just going to have to live without. I'm just going to have to live with less than. I'm just going to be miserable. I'm just going to be unhappy. And he's trying to rob you of your encouragement, your joy. The second thing he tries to do is he tries to get us to make a poor choice. When, when we have limited options, we make poor choices. Of course we do, because we don't see any other choice out there. We just choose poorly. 
We just make bad decisions. And sometimes it's not just one bad decision. It's bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Have you just seen people that they just keep making poor choices? And sometimes you look at their life and you go, why do you keep making these choices? It's because they don't see any good choices. They're faced with all these poor choices. In the natural, they just see it. They just go, I guess I'm just going to have to go this direction. Make a poor choice because they don't see any other option. They don't see any other choice out there. Discouragement sets in and sometimes we make a poor choice and ultimately if, if, if those things happen in our life, what ends up happening is the third thing, we begin to question God. We just begin to question God. God, don't you care? God, don't you see what's going on in my life? Don't you see what's happening in my family? God, don't you... Don't you Don't you have something different for me? Why did you leave me, God, with such limited choices? Why did you leave me such limited options? God, why is it that that you haven't turned this situation around? Why is it that that here I am, I I know better, the Bible says differently, but yet here I am faced with such poor choices. And if we don't begin to realize that there is a third option out there, we will ultimately blame God. We'll get angry at God. We'll blame God. We'll say, God, it's your fault. The reason I did what I did is because you left me with absolutely no choice, no other option, and it is God's fault. But maybe, listen to me, maybe there's a third choice out there. Maybe there's another option out there. I mean, if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you go, well, I don't really want to bow, and, and I'm not going to do that, that's not even an option, really, and so, but I know that I also don't want to burn, maybe there's a third option, huh? And it happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen to verse number 24 of, of the same chapter, chapter 3. It says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, hallelujah, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Somebody say amen. You say, well, what happened? Well, they refused to bow. And so the, the Bible says Nebuchadnezzar got so angry, he turned the heat up in the oven seven times higher, and he threw these young men in, bound up, and the fire was so hot, it burned up the guys who threw them in. Just killed them dead on the spot. But Nebuchadnezzar looks, and instead of seeing three men burning up, the Bible says that he sees four men walking about in the midst of the burning furnace. The Bible says that there was a third option, not bowing, not burning. No, there's another option out there. Listen to verse number 27. It says this, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw the men. Listen to what happened. On on whose body the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not even on them. Hallelujah. In fact, do you know that the very ropes that they were bound in, the ropes were burned up, but the fire didn't even touch them. 
Listen, I need to tell somebody today that the options that you're facing, that they look like they're worse, bad and worse, and it looks like the lesser of two evils, and you have to choose between these these very poor, limited options. I need to tell somebody today that there is a third option available. You may not see it with your natural eyes, but guess what? There is another door. Hallelujah. God is able to make a way where there seems to be no other way. Hallelujah. You have to believe it. You have to declare it. Don't think for a moment that you're faced with limited choices. Don't think for a moment that you're faced with limited options. God has another way for you. You say, well, pastor, how do I find this other way? I mean, you know what? If you're telling me that there's another option out there, there's another door, how do I find it? In 2 Kings chapter 6, it tells the story of a man by the name of Elisha. He was a prophet, and he had a servant. And he was surrounded by an army, a Syrian army, just surrounded. And the Bible says that the servant went outside. He went outside to look, and he sees on the hills, he sees the Syrian army just ready to pounce on them. So he goes back in, he tells Elisha, hey, we're surrounded. This is what he says. What do we do? What do we do? Because in his mind, the options are surrender or die. But listen to what Elisha says. Elisha says to them, to him, so he answered, Elisha answered and said, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Somebody say hallelujah. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Hallelujah. There's more with us than there are against us. Hallelujah. The armies of God are surrounding the armies of man. Listen, you have to know that when we open up our spiritual eyes, we see that God has more things for us than just the limited options that the devil's trying to present us. Oh, no, no, no. You say, Pastor, no, no. It it looks bad. No, no, it doesn't. doesn't. You just got to open your spiritual eyes. It really don't look that bad. Huh? Huh? When you got, no, no, pastor, you don't understand, there was horses, and there was, there was Syrian army, and there were guys with swords. Yeah, but there were bigger guys, huh? And, and the horses that they had, they were on fire. I mean, I'd rather take the guys on fire than the guys who aren't. No, they had flaming swords. They, they were bigger, they were badder. And do you know what? Here's the beauty of this story. Elisha didn't even need them. Read the rest of the story. Elisha didn't even need them. Elisha just prayed a prayer, said, God, strike them with blindness. And the Syrian army was struck with blindness. God just wanted the servant to know at all times, there's more with you than there are against you. You need to know that. You say, well, pastor, it just seems like things are lining up against me. I mean, I got a report, and, and things aren't working out at the job, and, and, and you know, the marriage is falling apart, and, and my kids are going crazy, and it looks like we're going to lose all this money, and, and it just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, in the natural, it just looks bad. No, no, no. Close your natural eyes and open up your spiritual eyes. There's more for you than there are against you. The armies of heaven are for you. Hallelujah. 
And all you have to do is believe and pray and declare. And you have to realize that God has great things in store for you. That you're not going under. You're going over. You're not going to be sick the rest of your life. You're healed in Jesus' name. How the marriage isn't falling apart. God's just about to turn the whole thing back around and bring the whole thing together. Hallelujah. You just have to know that. Open up your spiritual eyes. Open up your spiritual eyes. My wife and I were traveling this week and we went up to, to see uh, the camp. We went to Orlando and so we were in the car together and I was, I was beginning to talk to her about the sermon. I was telling her, honey, this is what I'm preaching on this week. I, I try to bounce things off of her because she has this incredible way of bouncing things back towards me. And so, so I, said, I said to her, I said, this is what I'm preaching on. I said, you know, it was like us, Cynthia, when we, when we had a bad marriage. She said, you can't talk about that again. You talk about it every week. I said, I know, but it fits so well in this sermon. I have to talk about it. Because there was a day, and I know I mentioned it last week, but listen, if I got to mention it next week and the week after, guess what? You're going to get it again. Because there was a day when I could not picture a happy marriage. I just couldn't picture it. I, I just thought, no, it'll never happen. She doesn't listen to me. And that's not going to change. And so I'm just going to be miserable. I mean, I really thought, okay, I'm going to be miserable in marriage or I have to get divorced. Those are my two options. Happiness was not on the table. But, you know, I had to close my natural eyes and let God open my spiritual eyes. Huh? So that today we have a totally different marriage. I could never see today 15 years ago. I couldn't see it. But God was able to make it happen. I had to choose that third option. And some of you are here today and you're, you're facing circumstances that you think, no, it's just not going to work out. My, my husband's never going to change. They're, my, they're never going to get saved. I'm going to live in a marriage where, where he'll never serve God. And some of you are just thinking, how do I manage? How do I manage pain? How do I manage the doctor's report? How do I manage? And God is saying, no, you don't manage this. You don't manage fiery furnace. That's not something you manage. Huh? You believe God for victory. Hallelujah. You believe God's going to open up a door that you cannot see in the natural, but it is wide open in the supernatural. Hallelujah. You just have to believe. You have to believe. And you have to fight. And you have to come against that discouragement that tries to rob you of your joy. He tries to take that from you. Listen, we're all miserable when we think our choices are poor. But if we could just ever close our natural eyes and open up our spiritual eyes and we figure out that we know something that they don't. Huh? Here's what happened with Elisha. The servant went out and he saw the Syrian army. Swords and bows and arrows pointed right at him. He thinks to himself, okay, surrender or die. He goes back in, Elisha prays, open up his spiritual eyes. He comes back out, and he sees bigger guys on fire with flaming swords. And I can't help but think, I don't know that this happened, I don't know that it took place, but I can't help but think that maybe he just went, <laughs> okay, you know, just had a little smile, a little chuckle, you know what I mean? Just had a little grin cross his face. Why? Because he was able to see something nobody else could see. Right? 
When you know something somebody else doesn't, listen, it just kind of makes you laugh a little bit. And some of you need to get into your little prayer closet where the devil's trying to tell you you've got limited options and and it's never going to work out. It's certainly not going to work out because you're on a fixed income and that's not going to change. And you need to go in there and you go, you know what? I don't have limited options. You know what? I'm not going to be miserable the rest of your life, my life. You know what? This marriage is going to turn. You know what? I'm not going to be on medication the rest of my life. You know what? No, no. I know something the devil doesn't know, that God is able to make a way where there seems to be no other way. 